The Savannah College of Arts and Design have actually visited there recently. Great campus in the beautiful city of Savannah, Georgia. It's also known as SCAT, and they launched a few years ago a comic book series with Carol Serling, Rod Serling's widow, on creating a series of comics based on classic episodes of The Twilight Zone. And this is Sci-Fi Talk, the podcast on how sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics help us explore our humanity. And I spoke to one of the driving forces behind this in John Lowe. I really like this project, uh, Twilight Zone. I think it's uh, it's great. What I've seen so far, I've really enjoyed. And I'm really excited about the stories that are being worked on. Uh, oh, good. Yeah. Uh, how did you become involved? Well, I was contacted initially by Anna Burgard, who runs Design Press here at Savannah College of Art Design. And I guess she had been in negotiations with Mr. Serling's widow, and they had secured the rights to the to adapting to the adaptations of the teleplays. And at that point, she contacted me. I was then, I'm now the the uh, Dean of Communication Arts, but at the time I was the chair of the sequential art department. And so she contacted me looking for <clears throat> interested students and faculty and alumni uh, from our department to participate in the project. So you kind of uh, put it all together as far as lining up the artists and, and that kind of thing? Yes, I mean, in some ways, because I, I, I knew that uh, we have a great, uh, fantastic professor named Mark Neese, who has written several comic books himself and uh, written novels, and so he was the go-to person for the scripts, and I knew that would be done very well. And then it gave us a chance to get some of our students who were about to graduate or some re- recent alumni, uh, alumni that we knew were had the storytelling skills but were still trying to break into the professional industry. It was a very good chance for them to begin working on a sustained project, a long-term project. And so basically that's what I, I facilitated putting everyone together for the project. More on the Twilight Zone comics from SCAD in a moment. In case people don't know, uh, you have a very good background yourself in comics, uh, working for both DC and Marvel, so comics are not a stranger to you. Right, it isn't a stranger. Before I began <laughs> teaching, I had worked professionally for um, a little over 10 years before I went back to get my master's degree uh, when I decided to teach. So yeah, I had worked for most of the big companies, so it certainly wasn't uh, a stranger to me. So it's kind of like you, you kind of got a little bit away from it, but then you came right back to it a little bit. <laughs> well, a little bit. I never, yeah, you know, I never got away completely because they encourage us here at the school to, you know, continue working in the professional field. So while I stopped doing work mostly for Marvel and DC, I continued doing work for Archie, uh, Inky Betty for a while. And, and I would always take on freelance projects here and there. I've never, ever totally gotten away from comics. I'm always in some ways involved. Who actually selects the scripts that are going to be converted into graphic novels? Well, those were originally selected by Design Press. They were given a number of episodes and they chose they chose the scripts and it's my understanding that they would do these initial eight and then uh, based on response they can continue on and do more which sure. uh, which I hope to be the case yeah me too I think uh, I, I think they're awesome it's great to see them in this form there's a lot of freedom with comics is that they don't have a budget like the television series had so you can kind of expand the universe a little bit too so I like Absolutely. that so it's really cool it's just been uh, awesome. Have you had any personal contact with Mrs. Sterling at all? No, you know, I have not. I have not. I hope to someday. Um, and I know that we just received a call the other day from someone who's putting on a Twilight Zone festival, and they really want Mark to attend. Um, I don't know whether or not she will be in attendance, but uh, I'm hoping to meet her someday. I was lucky enough to do that at uh, what was then the Museum of TV and Radio in New York when they had a screening 
of oh, some yeah, of the threats. I used to live near that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it was uh, it was awesome to meet her, and uh, I'm really glad that uh, that she's involved. And I mean, she has to be, but I'm yeah. really glad that she is very much involved with this, and and really just the fine work that you're all doing. It's really a uh, it's really amazing. Oh, well, thank you. I think it's great for us in a number of ways. I think they are always great stories to begin with, and um, I think it also allows us to introduce, um, you know, kind of our school and our faculty and our students, uh, whom I think are great storytellers, uh, into the market. And I think in a lot of ways these graphic novels will reach people that might not otherwise know about The Twilight Zone initially, you know, and then they'll seek out those those episodes. Um so I think it benefits everyone. I don't know what it is, but uh, there must be something in the water down there in Georgia because I'm I'm talking to all these incredibly creative people in the last year or so, filmmakers and and now artists, and uh, it's really amazing. So uh, there's something yeah, well, going on down there. <laughs> well, the college that I work at, the Savannah College of Art and Design, is just a very unique and interesting and great school. I mean, we have over forty, we have forty-two different majors, and uh, there's so much cross-pollination with the creativity down here. There's over nine thousand students that attend the school, so we often have students. For example, students in sequential art will often work with filmmakers, uh, providing storyboards for them and doing things like that. And there's a lot of interaction between the students, and it's just you know, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's getting better and better uh, with each passing each passing year. I don't know. It's starting to appear on a lot of people's radar in a number of different disciplines, which I'm very excited about. Uh, now, you know, the thing is, do you find that there's a lot more interest um, you know, as far as, uh, like, new students and people applying to college because of that? Yes, I think so. I mean, you know, to give you an example, just here on the Savannah campus, we have uh, approximately 350 students that are just studying sequential art. Wow. Um, as far as I know, that is the, the largest student body uh, studying sequential art. Uh, in the nation, and perhaps the world, but it is interesting in that our core principles is storytelling, and we have uh, students that have a variety of approaches to the types of comics that they want to make. So we have people that want to do mainstream traditional storytelling, similar to what was being done in the Twilight Zone. We have a lot of manga students who are very interested in that type of storytelling, and we have a lot of independent students who are interested in creating their own unique stories and writing and illustrating them. I see more and more people interested in comic books as a viable outlet you know, for their, for their art. And speaking of which, uh, what's it like, you know, to have been somebody who works in the industry to see what Hollywood has been doing the last few years? What's that like for you to see all that and to see all these great graphic novels come to the big screen? Well, I, you know, <laughs> in some ways, um, I approach it with a bit of trepidation because I, I think that um, someone said this, I think it was James M. Cain about his books or someone else, which is, you know, what if you see an adaptation that doesn't live up to your expectations. And he always said, well, the book is always there on the shelf if they want to read it. And that's kind of the way I feel about uh, comic book adaptations. When they're done well, I'm very excited. Um, if I don't think they are done as well as they could have been, there's always the graphic novel, the original source to go back to, uh, which I which I typically enjoy. Well, I, I definitely think the movies help with the sales of the comics and the graphic novels were essentially an actor playing one of the most influential comic book icons in the Joker wins Best Supporting Actor tells you how much comic books are now being accepted as movies and the art form itself seems to be really coming into hopefully a new golden age. 
Yeah, I think so. I mean, I was reading somewhere online the other day about just how many comic-related projects are on there, are in production in Hollywood, and it was a staggering amount. It was close to 100, I think. But that's very exciting in a number of ways. I think it's it's exciting for people that are interested in comic books. I think it's exciting for individual creators who Mm -hmm. may want to work towards creating their own books but are are scared about, uh, you know, the financial reward which is something that we tell students all the time. You can't really worry about that. I mean, a great example of that is someone who believes in their own product like Jeff Smith and Bone, who labored away at something that he loved for 10 years and then was picked up by Scholastic, and now I hear it may be animated, an animated film. What went into that initially was just the love for for the project and doing the work. But it is exciting that, that some of these things may also pay off financially for for a lot of our students and a lot of comic creators. That's amazing. How has computers changed the way comic artists work these days? Well, I don't think it's changed it significantly. I mean, the, the basics of or, or the uh, fundamental elements of, of, of comic books is storytelling. Mm-hmm. So you have to know how to tell a good story. Really, the only area that I <clears throat> notice it in uh, significantly is obviously computer coloring, which has changed quite a bit uh, in how effective color can be as a storytelling element. And then also there are certain new software programs that I'm starting to see students use uh, to devise layout templates for themselves, like Manga Studio, for example, which is really just a very good comic book studio uh, that has Zipatone and certain other things that used to be done traditionally, you know, physically, that are now being utilized in a digital way. But I don't think it has a significant impact in that really to do to be successful, you have to know all of the elements of acting, uh, perspective, panel layout, page design. It's really a daunting task uh, initially, I think, for, for but, you know, uh, everyone. But you just keep working at it, and you see these students progress from their freshman year to their senior year, and it's really quite amazing. And typically what I see is students really, it takes them a, a year or two out of college to really get the storytelling chops because at that point they're no longer working on uh, assignments for the classroom. They're starting to work on more sustained narratives or examples to show to people. And you really start to see everything that we introduce them to in the undergraduate level begin to click and, and fall into place. More with John Lowe talking about the Twilight Zone comics. Uh, it's, a very, it's a very rewarding profession teaching. Yeah, I would think. Uh, you know, it certainly can influence a, a, possibly some people who could, uh, you know, essentially, you know, shake up and, and do the next big thing in comics. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I just had someone at the New York Convention, one of my former students, Rebecca Isaacs, yes. who also did that Twilight Zone adaptation. Um, she just got a job with Marvel, uh, a fill-in issue and based on her portfolio, and she's someone whom I'm sure is going to just take off. And, and do very well for herself. I've actually spoken to her about this project because she did After Hours, so I'm, I'm really happy yeah, to hear that. Right. So, yeah, she's uh, she's very talented, and uh, she's somebody to definitely watch in, in that area. It's good to see the people that are coming up, too, as well as the, the established folks. So and, Yeah, and I think that was one of the things that I really was excited about the Twilight Zone. For, for many of these students, this is going to be the first time they've ever seen a significant portion of their work in print. And as I was saying before, it's a 64-page novel, uh, all of them are 64 pages, so it is going to be, you know, it's a sustained amount of work, and you really see them develop 
um, as they, as they, well, you don't see it so much in the final result because it's all very professional and very good. But in terms of the confidence and in terms of the amount of time it takes them to produce a page, you just see the pace increasing. You see the confidence level increasing, and, it, and it's great. I think it's a great experience for everyone who's had the fortune, good fortune to work on the project. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you, you did work on uh, the DC Comics Encyclopedia, and I, that, that must have been an incredibly daunting task to, uh, to work on something like that. Yeah, my very first job was, uh, which was uh, pretty amazing for me. I mean, I was very excited. I was moved, I just moved to New York, and I was assisting Joe Rubenstein, and I was starting to show an inky portfolio around. And the very first thing that I got was a special t- uh, projects job, which a lot, I was inking background uh, for the first, very first Batman animated series. Oh, cool! Which was great, and I got the wild guide, which was the better part of it because I had contributed to it. I was sent the the, uh, the DC comic style guide. Uh, that Bruce Timmon created for, for the uh, Batman animated series. And uh, I still show that to students, and they're really amazed by it. It's really a lot of fun. That animated series, to me, is very special, and I think it's one of the best Batman adaptations ever done. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, and uh, and the backgrounds are great. The uh, the style of the uh, kind of art, uh, what they call noir deco, was, uh, yes, or, or yeah. bat deco, if you like, <laughs> it really worked. <laughs> but yeah, it was really awesome, and it's a great series, and you go back and you watch those on uh, DVD, and they still hold up incredibly well. That's really yeah, they awesome. Do. They, do. they do very well. They did a very clever job of combining, of, uh, of kind of having computers and, and, old st- and old style cars and clothes together, and yet it all seemed to work. I, I like that. Yeah, it, was, it was seamless. Yeah, it's like you really can't place that Batman in any time period, which is which is awesome. So I, I like right. that. It makes yeah. it it gives it the timeless quality that it deserves. Absolutely. So it's it's great. Yeah, as far as your your comic book, uh, you know, having worked on both uh, both sides of Marvel and DC, what imp- what impressions did you get of both those type of heroes? Uh, there's definitely differences in each of them. Yeah, I don't. You know, I would just approach it on a basically as an eager. What I would do with uh, is, is just the thing that most impressed me or the thing that I was most focused on was just trying to make every page that I worked on look as best I could. Quite honestly, a lot of the times I would get things because especially now the, 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 the lettering is done digitally. Uh, you don't even see the script anymore. So I would just, uh, I would focus on the storytelling, looking at what the pencil is done, really trying to interpret that and just making that look uh, the best I could, really. <laughs> Very often, inking is a little bit like meditation. So what I would often do is I would be listening to a book on tape and just the hours would go by, and I just really enjoy enjoy doing my work. Um, and as a freelancer, you have to do that. You know, you can't really, uh, unless you go under exclusive contract, you're always looking for the next job while you're working on one. So I'll just be bouncing back and forth between Marvel and DC. I did some work for Image and Dark Horse. <clears throat> That's kind of what my mindset was. I would just enjoy every project that I worked on, try to do the best job possible, and be looking for the next job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. Which is an un- which is an unusual. That's that's kind of the uh, uh, constant state of mind of any freelancer, I believe. Could you talk about a project you did called The Ride? Oh yes, I would love to talk about. That. Yeah, that was something um, Kevin Gardner, uh, whom I really like. Um, we we had talked at San Diego um, a few years ago now, and he said that he was aware of the quality of the student work at the Santa College of Art and Design and really wanted to do something with us. And so we came up with a um, special topics class, and what we did was we uh, students would sign up for it, and it was divided. The, the ride was going to be divided into three eight-page chapters. It was one cohesive story. What we did was we, we got about 18 students in the room, so we had six students working on each chapter, 
basically. And then um, Kevin and Brian Selfries came down at two points to give critiques and talk about things. And what they did is that ultimately they were going to be the they chose the students that were included in the book. Oh, nice. Uh, so it was a little friendly competition among six people, each of the six people. They were all providing each other feedback um, and just doing the, the best job possible. And at the end, the Kevin and Brian came down and chose the outstanding works for the story, which was then, uh, as you know, printed by Image Comics and, and distributed nationally. Um, and I'm really happy to say that the people that were in there um, are now working professionally, all of them. That's great. Which is great. Yeah, it is great. And it was it was nice to see. It was a great project. It was a lot of fun. You know, when students have a vested interest in something like that and they know it's going to be printed, they really, really work their hardest. And even though only three were chosen, there was a lot of great work that was contributed by other students for that for that project. Um, so it was it was a lot of fun. It's something I'd like to do again. What's nice is you also give these students like essentially a taste of the professional world too, which is awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's something that's priceless that'll stay with them for years too. So that's absolutely because oh, the other person that came down was Doug Wagner, the writer. They were able to email him and ask him questions if they needed to. Kevin sent a replica of the car that is used in the story so that they would have a reference point for the type of car that was used. And it was a true real world experience. And, um, everyone enjoyed it immensely. That's fantastic. That's great to hear stuff like that. Is there anything else along those lines that uh, you, you were working at here at the college? Well, I would say the thing about the college that I really enjoy is when things like that come up, we can't introduce them and run them as a, a class. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm going to be doing something next year <clears throat> as a special topics class, I think, working with educational comics. Um, oh, cool. Using, using comics in a way that they aren't typically thought of. And uh, it's in the planning stage right now, but I hope to work with the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Association. Uh, I, there's someone that I'm in talks with who is doing um, a book on English composition, but for freshmen in college, and she wants to do it in a comic book form. Uh, and so there's a number of kind of really exciting projects that, uh, that we'll have students working on. And once again, the end result is to produce great comics and also to get them published while these students are in Yeah, absolutely. Well, that sounds exciting. Yeah, it is fun. And so whenever things like this come up, we can, you know, we we can make them happen here. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a, it's very, it's very, I mean, I feel very fortunate to teach at an institution that allows these things to take place and rapidly if, if, need, if need be. Well, it's cool. The Twilight Zone has some great stories coming up. Death's Head Revisited, which was a great episode. That should make a great comic. The Midnight Sun, which was a great episode with Lois Nettleton and Big Tall Wish. Uh, that's a, great boxing movie that uh, Rod Serling loved to write about boxers and that's a great story and uh, this one I think could, could use a little bit of a tune-up and I'm sure it'll look a lot better than the than the Martian did on the TV but with a real Martian stand-up should be better than right. the uh, than it did on television it just didn't have a budget in those days but right uh, right sure sure absolutely I mean they, they all weren't standout stories but I would I would stack Twilight Zone against anything that's ever been produced uh, what, what incredible well, you know, that used to be my favorite way to spend a New Year's Day Mm. Uh, waking up and watching the Twilight Zone marathons. Oh yeah, yeah. Just the you know, and I think because of those limitations, the budget limitations and those set parameters, I think the stories were even better. Yeah, I think so too. They had nothing. They had nothing to rely on except suspense and and.
creativity. And the writing, the dialogue, yeah. it was just yeah. uh, amazing. Uh, and, and actually, one of the few things where Ray Bradbury contributed as well. So, I mean, they had some great writers besides Mr. Serling. So, it was just uh, Charles Beaumont, too, was one of my favorites on the show. Yeah, I hope one day to get that, you know, they released that entire collection on DVD. Yeah, I would like to see that, too. I really want to pick that up. <laughs> yeah, I have, a, I have like, bits and pieces of it, and uh, I go back to it. I find myself going back to it once in a while because, you know, without commercials, it's a great little 25-minute thing you can watch and when you have a little bit of time. And, oh, absolutely. Uh, and it just really, you know, the themes stay with you forever, and that's what's the beauty of the Twilight Zone. And uh, I'm really glad to see it continue in any kind of incarnation. I think a comic book form is an excellent idea. Yeah, uh, I think so, too. I and I hope and I believe that we'll be successful and that we'll be doing more of them. And I'm very, very excited about that. Absolutely. Well, I really want to thank you for taking the time to speak to me about this. Uh, I'm really excited. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for calling. At any time. And uh, certainly we'll uh, definitely keep an eye on what you're doing there at the college. It sounds like there's some good things coming up. Yeah, please, please do. And, uh, yeah, just get in contact with me. And if we have anything of particular note that I think you might be interested in, I would love to talk to you about in the future. Absolutely. Comics are still available at Amazon.com. So check them out. They're worth having. And subscribe to Sci-Fi Talk Plus. Click on the link in the show notes. It's free for a lifetime. Thanks for listening. I'm Tony Tolado.